0: C.J. Stroud carves up the Nittany Lions in Happy Valley. It took him a little while to get going, though. The Volunteers stay hot. The goalposts are probably not in the river. They might throw them in the river next week, though. And Michigan played around with Little Brother before delivering the knockout punch late. We're going to get to all of that here very shortly. But before we do, this is College Fantasy Tonight presented by Campus CampusToCanton.com. It's a fantasy show. It's a show we cover the games, we cover the players. If you like the content that we're bringing every single week, go ahead and like this video. Let's get this video to fifteen likes and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. We start every college fantasy tonight with the rundown. That means I should hear the music in my ears. I should hear the music in my headphones. Where's the snare? I heard it. All right, all right. Let's. Ohio State game Uh, for this one for for us. Ohio State 4-4, Penn State 31. It was very tight. It was very tight early on before the Ohio State Buckeyes got it going without one Mayan Williams.
1: Yeah, this was um, a really, really back-and-forth game, almost a game of streaks here uh, for these two teams. Ohio State started out hot, scored the first 10, looked like it was going to be a blowout early. Penn State fought their way back, took the lead. Um, and, and then you know, Ohio State kind of just put him away late, like you would expect. Um, so, uh, yeah, no and Williams, Travion Henderson stepped up uh, really well uh, in his absence there. 16 carries, 78 yards, two touchdowns, uh, including a, a longer one there that kind of it was kind of the death punch there for Ohio State in, in, in the second half. Um, had a catch as well, but, but was not uh, too much of a factor there. Slow start for this whole running game. Uh, It looked like this was going to be another kind of zero week for them. And then Henderson kind of got it going late. CJ Stroud, as you mentioned, it took him a while to get going in this one. And this seems like it's kind of the theme for him now where he, Stroud looks vulnerable. And then he puts together a drive that you just see everything come together. You know, he's hyper accurate. He's on time. He's, you know, he's seeing things before they happen. He's avoiding the rush. Like uh, the 26 for 33 on the day, 354 yards, uh, and the sole touchdown there to Cade Stover. Um, but, But he was not very good outside of that drive, to be honest. He did not feel pressure very well he I mean, it was kind of all over the place He had a couple of um uh play games that really were bad he was trying to you know call a hot of balls with like six seconds left in happy valley like these are the kind of things that as you're starting to get ready for the nfl you have to learn you can't be doing in big games so he needs to be truck- protected
0: at the okay. next level he needs to be protected would you like him in detroit i would love him in detroit <laughs> i would love him in, in detroit with all the weapons
1: there well, speaking of his weapons right now, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. was the one that had the big day. I thought he would struggle today. Joey Porter Jr., the star corner there uh, for Penn State. And yes, his dad is the former Steelers linebacker. I thought I thought he would struggle today, but 10 catches, 185 yards, uh, no touchdowns. But I mean, he he was all over the place in this one. He was definitely the go-to guy. Uh, when all else failed, Stroud just kind of looked his way and he delivered in this one. Ibuka. Uh, did not have a great day they they threw these, these little you know bubble screens these quick hitters that uh, a bunch of times early in the game he kept getting stuffed he ended up having six catches for 53 yards and a touchdown but his day really saved uh by like a 30 40 yarder he caught late in this game it, it was not his best day uh, it wasn't
0: ohio state's best day but they didn't need it to
1: beat penn state here
0: marvin harrison jr very much a, an x wide receiver and one of the very few in the country um uh Even at the NFL level, there are not that many guys at that size who can do what he can do in the boundary as a safety blanket for C.J. Stroud. On the other hand, Austin, Allen Allen's the start today over Nicholas Singleton. Yeah, uh,
1: and and looked pretty solid. I I thought both backs looked okay. You know, Penn State wasn't uh, creating a ton of opportunities for them. There there wasn't a ton of room to run. But Allen did have a nice day. 12 carries, 76 yards, had a touchdown, uh, added two catches for 13 yards and a touchdown as well. Um, a, a well rounded performance, and if you started him in fantasy for some very odd reason, pat yourself on the back, <laughs> uh, put your crystal ball away until next week. Uh, singleton, 14 carries, 45 yards, uh, no scores, nothing, no singleton esque runs that maybe you would think. Um, we'll see if they can get him going here in the last couple of games. Sean Clifford threw three interceptions in this one. I don't want to say he cost him the game, I, I don't know what else he's capable of really doing. He's, he's just a very limited player. Uh, But he ended up going 21 for 35 in this one, 249 yards, two touchdowns. Um, And, and, you know, getting hit a bunch, getting harassed, uh, JT, Tuamolo, uh, Zach Harrison. I mean, these guys were just hanging all over him all day. So I I, I did feel for him a little bit. His main target today, Parker, uh, Parker, Washington. Uh, 11 catches 179 yards a, a long touchdown uh kind of a wake-up game from him we've been expecting this parker washington all season kind of can he be the alpha has been the question and uh, there are times where it looks like we could say yes there are times maybe where we want to say no so let, let's see if he can finish the season strong here uh Keandre lambert smith his running partner had the other touchdown through the air he had two
0: catches for 58
1: yards in that score
0: we know that Parker Washington can catch the ball. We know that Parker Washington is built like a running back and he can run after. The question I have about him is what position is he going to play? Is he going to be an outside wide receiver? Is he going to be an inside guy? If he's an inside guy? Can he get open quickly? Can he do some of the shifty stuff that we see Josh Downs or Hunter Renfro do? That's a real question question uh, about Parker Washington, but very, very good, good player. Uh, Austin also covered this Kentucky game uh kentucky at tennessee tennessee is rolling right now uh rocky top hat took this one kentucky six uh tennessee 44 and then hooker jalen hyatt and company they keep rolling
1: yeah a little bit of kentucky really bad tennessee really good in this one um but this game was over early so this game was so bad the, the line in this game was 11 and a half Tennessee scored immediately. The line went to 18 and I hit it because I was like, this thing is going to get so out of hand. That line is not going to be available for very long. And I had no doubt uh, at basically at halftime that that was going to uh, to, to be the case for me here. So Hendon Hooker, Heisman hopeful. I think at this point he's probably in the driver's seat uh, for the award. Uh, very, you know, workmanlike day. 19 for 25, 245 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, added 23 yards and a touchdown on the ground. They didn't really ask him to do too much in this one. Didn't really have to. Guys were running wide open all over the place. Uh, pass rush really wasn't getting anywhere near him. Um Just kind of a ho-hum day for him. But, I mean, if, if this might be his worst statistical day of the season. And still a very, very strong performance. So, uh it d- definitely didn't hurt his
0: Heisman chances. Cedric Tillman returns. He has four for 22 in this one. Jalen Hyatt five for 138-2. and two. Cedric Tillman had a uh NIL deal with some local cookie shopping. before two touchdowns you would get two free cookies from the from the shop. They should have done that deal with Jalen Hyatt. Uh but a good businessman knows good business so that's probably why that wasn't wasn't the case. On the Kentucky side uh what what are future first round NFL traffic Will Levis like. Man if
1: you want I, I really think if you walked out of this game thinking either of these quarterbacks are slam dunk first round picks then you probably need your eyes checked um but Levis was by far you know he just he was terrible in this game and I do feel for him a little bit because their offensive line is so bad like Tennessee isn't known for having this you know crazy pass rush a bunch of first round guys on the D line and they were just after him all day he ended up 16 for 27 uh 98 yards no touchdowns three interceptions uh the first interception was not his fault the last two were really really bad and under throw on kind of a deep ball and then just you know a, a poor accuracy uh, uh on the other one he he's late on all these throws he he really had a couple other ones that probably could have been picked off he just it, the mental side of the game is a lot for him and, and and the pass rush doesn't help does not help him right now so levis not a great day for him obviously with that stat line nobody else was great either chris rodriguez 15 carries 64 yards touchdown um I mean, well, he was fine on the day. And then, yeah, Dame Key, one catch for eight yards. Barry and Brown, two for 12. Tavion Robinson, four for 11. Their leading guy on the day was Jordan Dingle. Their, you know, H-back, tight end kind of guy, uh, four for 44. So, I mean, just Kentucky's going to want to go home, forget this one happened, and uh, get back to the drawing board next week.
0: All right, Austin, we appreciate it. Uh, Chris Rodriguez, probably an NFL draft pick, maybe a day, late day two, early day three guy. We appreciate it, Austin. Let's go to Barnabas. Barnabas Lee uh, covers the NFL draft here for us at campusdecanton.com and also lends his hand here on College Fantasy Tonight. Barnabas, you covered Oklahoma State and Kansas State. Now, I heard my friends Austin and Chris on the Better Sports show calling Oklahoma State a fraud. They put up a goose egg today.
2: Yeah, they were indeed exposed at the Little Apple, you know, Manhattan, Kansas today. Uh, they, despite Kansas State playing with a backup quarterback, they still shut out the Cowboys forty-eight to nothing. Um, you know, the Cowboys, de- the Oklahoma State defense was lost all day. Deuce Vaughn had a long touchdown as well as a punch in right before the half. Uh, Kurt Warner's son, Cade Warner, scored on a screen and a seam shot, the tight end. Um, I'll get to the numbers in a second, but, uh, you know, uh, Will Howard filling in for Adrian Martinez, who was dressed, but uh, so like he probably could have played if need be, but it was in, like an ankle injury or something. And for a running quarterback, that's not going to work out. Right. So Will Howard looked pretty great. Honestly, uh, one of the one of Cade Warner's touchdowns was a drop in the bucket. Um, and he also had a well placed jump ball for Philip Brooks. Um, the Oklahoma State offense was kind of lost the entire day too. Uh, they they looked okay lo- moving the ball during their scripted portion of each half, um, but ultimately uh, errant pass because Spencer Sanders was under pressure every every third and long. It was just it was an errant pass, and so um, notably uh, no Dominic Richardson for Oklahoma State. Uh, but that really doesn't explain the fact that Spencer Sanders was just slightly off, maybe a foot or so on every pass he was. Um, Today. So, you know, going through the numbers, uh, going back to Will Howard, uh, he was twenty-one of thirty-seven on the day, four touchdowns, no interceptions, ties the Kansas State single game record for touchdown passes in a game. Um he also only adds three uh yards on the ground. Uh not really a rushing guy. That's okay. Deuce Fawn, I mentioned he got two touchdowns. Um that was on twenty-two carries, hundred and fifty-eight yards. Uh, you know, one of those touchdowns, he eclipsed his entire rushing total for the past two games he's had against Oklahoma State which was 62, I think. Um, so that, that was cool. He also added four catches for 18 yards. Um, decent a decision to make after
0: this season whether or not to enter the NFL draft. It'll be interesting to see, yeah. uh, considering his size and what kind of information he gets from the NFL draft committee, selection committee.
2: Right. Cause he plays a lot bigger than he looks, right? He's five, five. Everyone's like, oh, he's Darren Sproles. Cause they're scouting the helmet. He's not Darren Sproles, but we can talk about that uh, a little bit later as well. His backup DJ Giddens got a lot of work as well. You know, obviously it was a blowout today, uh, seven for 44. Uh, and he punched one in as well at the very end of the game. Um, on the, through the air, Malik Knowles had eight catches for 113 yards, really dominant day from him. He was, you know, scooting and shooting and all over the place. And he was, he was doing a really good job. Um, didn't get in the end zone though. Uh, Cade Warner adds two touchdowns. One of them was on a nice little screen that was just perfectly blocked on the outside there. And the other was a drop in the bucket that, uh, Will Howard just drops in and probably 30 yards downfield. It was a, it was a perfect looking play. Um, And then Philip Brooks caught the other touchdown pass from Will Howard. Um, He was two for 41 on the day. Otherwise, um, you know, decent, uh, but definitely Malik Knowles was the primary option there. On the other side, Spencer Sanders had a fairly poor day, if if we're honest with ourselves. 13 for 26 and 147 yards, zero touchdowns and a pick. Uh, like I said, he was probably about a foot off everywhere he was. gunner Gundy actually came in late in the game, threw himself through a pick by uh, you know trying to backhand one to that was you know on the backside did and say, did just. Did
0: you say Gundy? Did
2: you say Gundy? I I, I did. Uh, huh. um, on the ground, the entire team got 54 rushing yards. So really, nothing, no one to talk about here. Uh, it's just 54 yards across everyone. Um poor day. They weren't missing their holes. It just wasn't a good it just wasn't well blocked up front. Um through the air, Brennan Presley two for 49. Uh Bryson Green three for thirty-eight. You know, just no one no one no one did their job on Oklahoma State today. It was just a poor showing from top to bottom.
0: We expected the freshman Ollie Gordon to uh get opportunity today. Just wasn't uh the offense's day as a whole uh barnaby let's go here to baylor and texas tech um i i didn't watch this game i don't know if texas tech is rotating quarterbacks or what is going on here can you let us know what's going on
2: yeah i the quarterback room was definitely the story of the game for this one uh they started with baron morton he played the majority of the game uh and it just was it just got away from them the entire quarterback room combined for five interceptions um morton played okay uh for the first you know half or so the offense was struggling to get going they went to half 17 to three Um, Baylor was playing super physical like their approach wasn't so much to cover the receivers as let's just hit them as soon as they try to catch the ball and jar the ball loose and so he wasn't, Barry Morton wasn't necessarily inaccurate but it wasn't perfectly placed balls where the receivers had a chance to catch it before they got hit and so it was a lot of that coming in. Donovan Smith came in for a single pass in the third quarter and threw it perfectly but it was, uh, you know, dropping the bucket again in the back corner of the end zone and it was just dropped Um, but then his only other attempt was also a pick in the fourth quarter so you know not he was zero for two and one interception i guess is his stat line for the day um uh, tyler Shipp came in with a little bit over four minutes left in the fourth quarter immediately throws a pick six it just wasn't even good it was late it looked like you know will love is honestly uh he <laughs> was just late and everyone's like oh he's cold he's rusty pick six on the first first pass back still isn't a good luck. um he actually played out the rest of the game and was uh, had one incompletion, was sacked three times. It it was bad. Um, they were they – were One that I-
0: for 16 in this one. Jeron Bradley, two for 44. Baylor Cup, two for 24. Uh, Taj Brooks, if you started him, that's probably the gold that you needed from this team. Uh, 16 for 98, no touchdowns. I should have set you up, Barnabas, to say that Baylor takes this one 45 to 17. Uh, but talk to me about how that offense looked – for Baylor, specifically running back Richard Reese.
2: Yeah, Richard Reese, a real workhorse, right? He had 36 carries on the day, 148 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, you know, they were, he was running all over the place and Quylan Jones actually got hurt towards the end of the game, but he still ended up with only eight, ca- eight carries, 38 yards. He punched one in late and he, he got a couple catches as well. Um, he was contributing for sure. And he was definitely, uh, in those situations in which they were going for third and short because, you know, both these teams are big fourth down teams. So, um, that was their thing through the air. Blake Shapin looked okay. Uh, not great, but you know, he was finding his guys when he needed to um 19 for 30 211 yards and a touchdown uh he you know it was kind of a rough and tumble game and the defense did such a good job that he was working with short fields a lot of the day uh 10 rushes for 30 yards he the refs were really rough on Shapin. he was getting roughed every time because you know he knows how to slide he's a baseball player um and every time he slid he was getting hit and they didn't call a single one today so i was a little confused on that but um yeah his targets were main targets were hal presley and gavin holmes uh, Presley with four for fifty-eight and a touchdown, and uh, Gavin Holmes with uh, five for seventy-seven. Uh, you know, not a huge production day-wise, but uh, you know, everyone was getting getting their getting a piece of the pie for sure.
0: All right, Barn- Barnabas, we appreciate it, and we will come back to you a little bit later in the show. Mike, Valerie, host back to Debbie. Uh, Mike, you cover Florida and Georgia. Florida loses this one in the, what is it called? Is it the biggest cocktail party? Uh, 20 to 42.
3: Yeah, the Georgia- opening of Florida Georgia line, not not talking about the best country duo that's ever graced the Southern States below the Mason-Dixon line, but talking about the spread of the game. Georgia was favored by 23 and a half points. And what is amazing is that they actually covered this spread on the opening. So that was amazing, but not so fast though. Talking about Florida's offense here. Anthony Richardson, eight for eight for thirty. 30- 271 one passing yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. It was hard to watch. It was hard to watch this game, and, and I can't put this in better words than Austin did. Austin smashed the live bet as soon as he watched the first drive. It was hard to watch him. It really was. He's been struggling passing. He's been struggling running, 11 for 19. It's, it's been tough. It's been a tough season. Going to his pass catchers though, Xavier Henderson, five for one, 10 and one. This guy has been hyper athletic, but really just been having a quiet season. Great fantasy finish here for 22.6 points. Not really much to say here besides him for the passing offense. Again, they just couldn't get it going. It's just, it's the tough Georgia defense. And now let's talk about those running backs. Trevor Etienne, 11 for 53 and 1, 3 for 20 through the air. He seems to be taking over this backfield. Now, if we go to Montreal Johnson, who also had 11 rushing attempts for 24 yards. But if you watch this game, it really felt like Etienne was the guy they went to early on. And macho seems to be fading into the background. This offense did most of their damage in the third quarter. And they did this off of turnovers from Georgia. I mean, it really wasn't like they were making their own yards here. They're they getting layups from Georgia. And that's just how they got their success. They just had some layups, real easy ones. And that's how they covered I maintain that Dan Mullen would
0: have made Anthony Richardson look much better as a quarterback had he stayed as the head coach. Xavier Henderson scores today. That was very much on a broken coverage. I don't know that you can count on that type of production going forward. Ricky Parasol is really the number one guy that uh, Anthony Richardson looks forward to. On the other side, uh, Mike Dejon Edwards in that backfield, as Georgia always does, they had a day uh, today between Edwards and McIntosh.
3: Yeah, I thought it was very interesting to see McIntosh get the first two rushing attempts though down the middle. Very ineffective. They're very quick to transfer back over to Dejon Edwards, who uh, saw 12 for 106 and two. Great, great line there. You can't say much more than that. This young man is just not anyone's real radar. So it's going to be interesting to see how he develops the rest of the year, just to see what the talk is going to be in the offseason about him, because this is some guy that no one really ever talked about.
0: Stetson been in this one, 19 for 38, 316 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Branson Robinson also got in in this game, uh, 9 for 35. It'll be interesting to see the dynamic between he and Andrew Paul. Once Andrew Paul is healthy next season, Brock Bowers. Yeah, Brock, Brock Bowers, Bowers could probably, he could probably sit out next season. I'm always advocating for players to just sit once they've stabbed Draft Capital. And I'm not sure that Brock Bowers is the
3: best tight end in the country. No, that's going to be JT Stanch. But that's a tough for, for another day, though. Brock Bowers got lucky here in a long touchdown pass. I mean, this ball touched every single limb on, like, the defender before it gracefully fell into his hands. And it was, like, what, like a 60, 70 yard or something ridiculous like that, which really saved both Stetson Bacon and his fantasy day. Again, this is just a really defensive-dominant game here. Love seeing Branson get in late, just like you said. You'd like to see those freshmen get in early, like, early in the season. Uh, but this game just... I mean, there's points being put up, but this is really just Georgia's defense being dominant, and just this is just hard to watch. It's hard to watch kind of almost both of these offenses.
0: Uh, the best tight end room in the country, Brock Bowers, five for 154 yards, one touchdown. Darnard Washington adds three for 47. They still got Eric Gilbert there somewhere, somewhere around. And then off, uh, obviously Oscar Delp is, is coming around. Uh, at some point. All right. We appreciate it, Mike. Oh, Mike, you also covered Arizona and USC. This one was interesting. I thought it would be interesting. That Arizona team has a lot of fight. Uh Coach Fish there is building a program. Jaden Delara, uh Dorian Singer, Jacob Cowling, to McMillan. They have some weapons there for uh for Arizona.
3: Yeah, it was it was a great game. It really was a slow start, but it just really got me going there in the third quarter. Jaden Delara, 26 for 43. 380, three touchdowns, one interception, also 8 for 54 on the ground here. Seemed to struggle early on, but, I mean, like I said, this was really exciting. He had 100 passing yards the entire first half, and then he gets about 200 in the third quarter. I mean, talking about turning it on, making adjustments at halftime, love to see that. His running backs, though, couldn't get it going. Michael Wiley was a leading rusher here with 10 for 49 and 1. I mean, you know, didn't really see the freshman either. He was 1 for six. Those receivers, though, Jacob Cowling is almost the leading receiver in the Pac-12. He's behind Roman Junze by just two receiving yards. Again, didn't get it going until the third quarter. Ted McMillan, the leading freshman, true freshman in receiving yards. Three for 62, no touchdowns. Great contested catch. Really great physicality. Love to see how that man develops. And then Dorian Singer was the real surprise today. Seven for 141 and three. I mean, just amazing. That's a great performance.
0: I uh, I keep failing to give the scores here uh USC was, was favored by 13 and a half by the time the game started. They do not cover 45 to 37. Arizona had a chance to win this game late, but they failed to get a stop. They just couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop USC all day, but USC had a hard time stopping them too. Uh, and Jaden Delara, we're going to have to have a conversation about him down the line at some point. On the USC side, Mike, uh, Caleb Williams th- throws
3: for 400 yards, which just seems to be like a regular day for him. Oh, he just takes my breath away Felix I'll tell you that I gotta take the inhaler hit right there Caleb Williams 31 for 45 411 yards 5 touchdowns I mean he has he doesn't have Jordan Addison he doesn't have Mario Williams but he has Taj Washington I mean, such a reliable number 3 this guy always steps up 7 for 118 and 1 on the receiving he also has Brendan Rice Jerry Rice's son a guy that I like as a straight line burner to be honest with you but 5 for 62 and 1 And then Kyle Ford, who I I actually had no idea who this guy was, but Kyle Ford six for one fourteen and one. I really didn't. I had to look him up mid game. Say who's this guy? So these receivers—they've got a lot of wide
0: receivers there at USC. Jordan Addison was out. Mario Williams dressed but not playing. Must have been suspended. That's all I could think of. Travis Dye uh, adds twenty one for one eighteen and one in this one. Mm
3: Yeah, he didn't get on the field really much until the last fourth quarter there. I mean, they were trying to run the clock out. Uh, they, they, I think they saw the shootout starting to ensue, and they're like, we want to control the tempo, slow down this game, keep this lead. So Travis Dye, I believe he had, I want to say, eight to ten rushing attempts going into the fourth quarter. Mostly just to slow down the clock.
0: All right, uh, Mike, we appreciate it. Let's go here to UNC and Pitt. Matt Bruning, uh you covered this one for us. Am, am I not reading something? No. You're not. Uh uh UNC and Pitt, Matt. Uh yeah. twenty-four to forty-two UNC takes this one and Drake May keeps it rolling with five touchdowns today.
4: Yeah, Drake, Drake May looked fantastic. He was making some incredible throws in this game. Josh Downs had a couple touchdowns as well. Uh, Israel Bonaconda is really who carried Pitt here. Uh, Keaton Slovis just looked bad. It, it was not good for Pitt. They actually had the lead early here, and I thought they were going to win, especially with how bad UNC's defense has been most of the season. But again, as you mentioned, Drake May, he, he just turned on the lights. I think there's a, as much as I love Quinn Ewers, I think we could be having a legitimate conversation here next year Who is the actual QB1, Drake May or Caleb Williams? Because Drake May has the size that we know these NFL scouts love. Like He was absolutely amazing today, including some really impressive throws to Josh Downs where he pump-faked the safety and allowed Josh Downs to get further into his route before just dropping it in the bucket to him. It was a very, very impressive game from one Drake May.
0: Yeah, Drake May is going to continue to improve. Josh Downs, 11 for 102 and 2 this one. Antoine Green. Now you see A. Green on the box score and you're hoping it's that uh, it's the freshman, uh, but it is not. It's Antoine Green who was injured earlier in the season. Ten catches, 180 yards, two touchdowns. Amarian Hampton, they could not get the running game going in this one. Amarian Hampton, uh four for thirteen. He adds one catch for 15 yards. He's still getting more playing time than George pettaway I don't even know what happened to George pettaway after early in the season. Uh, Elijah Green returns in this one. He has 8 carries for 18 yards and 3 catches for 14 yards. Elijah Green I believe also had a touchdown uh late in late in this one. Um on the pit side, on the pit side Matthew yep. Israel Bonaconda, I mean if you're starting him in your C2C leagues, you got to be happy with his performance.
4: Yeah, again, another amazing day. 127 yards on the ground and three touchdowns. Um, didn't do much in the receiving game. Didn't need to. I mean, nobody really did, if we're being honest. Uh, J- Jared Wayne had 161 yards, but no touchdowns. Keaton Silva just struggled in this one, despite his 236 yards passing. It was it was not a good day for Pitt. It was all on the back of Abana Khan. And I'm going to be very curious to see what this means for him going forward in the draft. You know, we did a a mock draft recently on debut debate. And I think I took him in the third round. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes a little bit higher in that rookie drafts next year because of how good he's looked so far in the back end of the season. And I have to give a shout out to our boy, Chris Moxley, really quick, who told everybody to start Antoine Green today and said he was going to have a big day. I don't know that he predicted this, but as you mentioned, 180 yards uh, and two through the air. If you started him, you're feeling pretty damn good right now.
0: They give a lot of good information on that better sports show. Uh, You mentioned Israel Bonaconda. There are a lot of good running backs in this class. Uh, Dwayne McBride yep. had an excellent day today. And because we're you know not usually covering G5 games, we don't say his name enough. But it's a very – I mean, people expect it, but it's a very deep running back class. Kanate Mumfield adds four for 22 in this one. Bub meets three for 53. Uh, Jared Wayne, seven for 161. Izzy, we already covered. Keaton Slovis uh, had a Keaton Slovis day. Let's move on here to uh, Old Miss 31, Texas A&M 28 Uh, Matthew, they started the freshman Connor Wegman today, who was efficient in his first start.
4: Yeah, he was better than I expected him to be. We had some concerns about him coming to Texas A&M and what that would look like in Jimbo's offense. Now, I will say a lot of these throws were schemed, but still 338 yards and four touchdowns is pretty damn good for his real first start. He was making plays down the field as well. Looked like Jimbo was allowing him to open it up a little bit more. Maybe that's because they trust his arm a little bit more than Haynes King, Max Johnson. He did have a couple throws, um, including one that everybody was tweeting out where Evan Stewart, Evan Stewart made the catch, but at least Connor Wigman put it where he could go up and get it, took it away from a defender. He was making a lot of quick first read throws. In my opinion, there was a lot of screen passes as well. There was definitely a lot in that game scheme toward what Connor Wigman was good with good at, but we not players when they don't do it. We should give them praise when they do. He went out there and he executed what he was supposed to. I thought he looked really good. Um, they didn't win this game, but I don't want to necessarily say that was because of Wigman. I thought he played really well.
0: Devin Achane probably has his best game of the season thus far. Uh, 25, 25 carries, 131 yards. He also adds four, uh, 7 for 41 through the air with one touchdown. Uh, Moose Muhammad the third former Michigan, uh, his father went to Michigan State and then obviously played for the Carolina Panthers and the Chicago Bears. Uh, Eight for 112 and one, and the aforementioned Evan Stewart, six for 88 and one. So it looks like Connor Wegman is is at least elevating the play of the offense there for Texas A&M, and that's really what we want in our C2C leagues. On the old miss side, Matthew, why don't you take a victory lap uh, for Quinshawn Judkins?
4: Yeah, he looked amazing today. I was... We talked about, I talked about starting him today. Um, Zach Evans played. He had over 100 yards rushing, but Quinshawn was the guy. 205 yards rushing, one touchdown. They're still not really using him in the receiving game. They don't have to. For a kid who's a true freshman, and the way he is going out there and challenging defenders, there are multiple times, especially on the sideline, these defenders thought Quinchon was going to go out of bounds, and he just pulled up and ran dudes over. It was so much fun to watch him run. He even got mad at one point when he was trying to get some extra yards and got dragged down, and the running back coach was kind of trying to calm him down on the sidelines. I just love everything about this kid. He has been absolutely phenomenal. We talked last week about his should he jump Nick Singleton as as the RB1 I mean, he's putting together performances like this. I, I think we talked about. I think it's a legitimate conversation. Like, my goodness, he has been amazing so far this season. I think he has a chance to be probably the freshman of the SEC right now with how good he's been playing. It's not a lot of these other guys have stepped up.
0: Uh, Nick Singleton, the backup today. Meanwhile, Quinshawn Judkins, thirty-four carries in an SEC game, two hundred five yards, one touchdown. Uh, Zach Evans, who we expect to make the jump to the NFL. After the season, eight carries for 75 yards, adds two for. Th- uh, th- 30 through the ground he also had uh one carry along the sideline where he lowered his where zach evans lowered his shoulder into into uh, a defender and ran him over i hear that jonathan mingo might be a day three nfl draft pick. according to dane brugler tweeted that a little bit earlier today he went four for uh, 89 and one touchdown and dayton Wade five for 20 and one we appreciate it matthew let's close this out with who won the paul bunyan trophy it was in ann arbor michigan state little brother at brig big brother michigan michigan was favored by eight and a half in this one they ended up covering seven to twenty nine uh neither offense could really get it going early on uh keon coleman did add a michigan state's wide receiver and a basketball player there uh did add a touchdown uh, early on he finishes the day with Five for one fifty-five and one, and Keon Coleman is the first athlete. Now, this out of this isn't confirmed, but he's the first athlete in history to score a touchdown and a basket against a Division One rival in NCAA history. Somebody tweeted that he plays on the basketball team. I thought that I would include it. Um, Elijah Collins seven for twenty-two. Jaden Reed, who we expect to at least be a return man at the next level, four for seventeen uh, in the, in this one and adds a rush for seventeen yards. On the other hand, JJ McCarthy uh, again. Michigan did not get their offense really going until they kind of just slow played this one. 15 for 27, 167 yards, one touchdown. He does add an element with his legs, 7-4-50. Blake Quorum. Blake Corum is a bell cow. 33 carries, 177 yards, one touchdown. They also got Donovan Edwards some love in this one. I think you know there is some concern about whether Edwards is going to be the guy after uh, Quorum leaves. He adds ten for forty-two in this one. Luke Schoonmaker, six-foot-six senior tight end, is your leading receiver with five for seventy. Ronnie Bell adds four for fifty-three in Michigan. Takes the Paul Bunyan Trophy home. That's the rundown. Cut the music. Cut the music. Yeah. Um. All right, let's go here. Let's go now to the G5 Minute. Every week uh, here at Young College Fantasy tonight, we have the G5 Minute where Campus to Canton's creative lead, Hannah Page, takes us through all the highlights and all the happenings around the group of five. It's a segment we call the G5 Minute.
5: Hey everyone, this is Hannah Page with the G5 Minute. Each week, I bring you highlights from the Group of Five as well as major G5 producers for the day. How about Charlotte? Ahead of Week 9, the 49ers fired head coach Will Healy. They go into the Rice game 1-7 and, and ultimately defeat the Owls 56-23. In route, quarterback Chris Reynolds goes 16-19, of 19, nearly has a perfect game for 84.2% completion rate, 254 yards, 13.4 yards per pass attempt, and five. Yes, five passing touchdowns. UCF took down number 20 Cincinnati by a score of 25 to 21. Unfortunately, UCF starting quarterback John Rice Plumley suffered a big hit on the sideline that took him out the remainder of the game. So QN backup Mikey Keene. The same Mikey Keene who took over after Dylan Gabriel's season-ending injury in 2021. After Keene took over for Plumlee, he went 15 of 21 for 176 yards. On Plumlee's status, Gus Malzahn said he couldn't come back in. I think he had a concussion. I know we love UAB's Dwayne McBride but the Blazers are struggling after losing starting quarterback Dylan Hopkins to an injury sustained during the WKU game last week. FAU leads UAB right now 24-17 in the fourth quarter. McBride does, however, have 21 carries for 143 yards, one touchdown, and is doing a lot better job of protecting the ball this week compared to last week. And in our Did Kalen Laburn Surpass 100 Yards Again tracker, the answer as of right now is no, he probably won't. So after posting 100 plus yard games in every single game this season, it looks like Coastal Carolina has found a way to minimize his impact. So with about 11 minutes left in the fourth, Laburn has 14 carries for 58 yards and one touchdown. That's it for the G5 Minute.
1: He muted, or am I just crazy?
3: He's muted. Thank you. I was wondering that too. Uh, I mean, to let's bring sure the whole
0: team. I, I, I can't believe it. I have not done that in one episode of College Fantasy tonight this season. That, that'll be the first and the last time. We'll, let's, let's place a let's place a bet on that. That'll be the last time. Um, <laughs> what's the what odds? What odds are we getting on that? Uh, let's uh, let's talk. I want to talk a little bit about CJ Stroud here, folks. I wonder if the fantasy community is going to overthink this with CJ Stroud, especially if he is a top and draft pick. Yes, he has his he has some flaws in the fact that he's not an improviser. He's not great off structure, but there are some there are a few fantasy relevant quarterbacks that just aren't great in that particular area. Barnabas, I want to I want to start with you here. Um, are, are you concerned? about C.J. Stroud being a, a, I don't want to say elite, but a very good NFL producer, given some of his limitations, specifically with improvising and uh, doing things off script?
2: Sure. Uh, I don't know that thinking that C.J. Stroud has maybe not as high of a ceiling as some other prospects we've seen is necessarily overthinking CJ Stroud. Uh I think we all saw Dane pr- tweeted out this week that uh or today that uh CJ Stroud's comp might be Jared Goff, which might con- concern, you know, many people. Uh I I think that he has his limitations. We saw today uh, as soon as structure started to break down, he panics a little bit and he's not the type that's really willing to put his body on the line and, you know, rush, which is, you know, fine for quarterbacks. Um, but, you know, a lot of times I look at, I, I look at CJ Stratton, I, I see an elite prospect, but then I ask myself, what does he do that Dwayne Haskins couldn't? And that I think is something that concerns me a little bit um, in that, uh, you know, there are, there are some things he does things better than, you know, a prospect like Dwayne Haskins, but we saw how that prospect panned out. So um, I don't think it's overthinking it to think that the ceilings may be not as high. And yes, I am concerned. Austin.
1: I, there, I, I am concerned. I, I agree with a lot of what Barnabas said. Um, it, it's not solely the 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 play break; it's just the mental aspect of the quarterback position as a whole. And I think. You know, we we're not scouting the helmet here, but I don't think Ryan Day's system necessarily does a lot to help these guys. Where it's either this, you know, pre, pre-play you identify the coverage and you're hitting like, you know, they're it's off coverage. We'll throw that little, you know, that quick, quick that bubble screen. If it's not, then you're going to let the play really, really develop. um I, I don't think that helps some of these guys. We've seen Justin Fields have some some issues acclimating to a, an NFL system that that's a little more advanced than that. I think Stroud will have those same issues, and then it's just like. It's just dumb stuff. Like he took those two really bad penalties today. He's trying to to readjust. You can't audible with five seconds left on the road in Happy Valley. You can't do it. You're not going to be able to get everything set in time. You're not going to get the ball snapped in time. It's stuff like that that it's like you're you've been starting for almost two full years now at a major college football program. You should be starting to figure some of these things out. And just the fact that there's not been much growth in those areas is is pretty concerning for me. Even though he is. You know, 20, 21 years old. He's still a very young prospect.
3: Mike? Uh, so it, it is a concern, but it's one of those things where I, I think he can learn this stuff to the next level. I, he doesn't have as many issues as like Will Levis does, for example, mentally, just doing <laughs> the extended list of stuff that Will Levis has to figure out. But uh, if you go it really goes to like what system he goes to, because I do like what the Lions are building, for example. Like they have a really strong offensive line, they have a coach that I know what they're doing. But if you go to like a team like the Bears, who I don't think as a single positional group there that I I would even like, you know, praise even a little bit. I think it goes somewhere where it's a more friendly learning environment, the team's a little more complete. Is they'll give them a little more time to actually process stuff rather than just throwing them into a dumpster fire. I I I I'm a little concerned, but I think it's gonna be more landing spot dependent, I guess, for me to feel a little better about it well the difference between Justin fields and CJ Stroud is
0: is that processing ability I think that we see CJ Stroud do things very quickly he also has a, an extremely quick release um, he throws one of the prettiest balls that I've seen he has a very tight spiral catchable ball and then his his accuracy I think we saw it on the on that drive with like four minutes left or something he had a deep dig that he threw kind of low uh, to protect the wide receiver he had the um The go route to CJ Stroud on the left seam, he's accurate in in with different types of passes, but you do have to protect him. He has to be protected um, because that's where he the most comfortable and that's why detroit would be an excellent excellent situation for him. not only do they have one of the best offense lines uh, in the country with two great bookend tackles between taylor decker and penne sewell but you've got uh jamison williams who we played with there at ohio state you've got dj chark the speed uh, tj Hawkinson, amon ross st brown you have a different uh, you have receivers with different skill sets Uh, there that's that is going to be able to spread the field and then you've got the running game that offensive line is also good in the running game between whether if it's Jamal Williams or uh, DeAndre Swift and quite frankly you could draft somebody on day three you could draft a Dwayne McBride to be your third running back and keep that running game going I think that he would be an excellent an excellent fit in Detroit and I'm I'm if he Listen, if C.J. Stroud goes to Houston, that's going to be one thing. If he goes to a place like Detroit, that's going to be something completely different. Let's talk about another player here. Austin. I want to start with you. Should we be concerned about Nick Singleton now? Katron Allen started today, and uh, I wish I had snap counts in front of me. I don't have them, but I would say that Katron Allen played 60%, 66%. Of the snaps, would you be concerned with uh, about uh, N- Nicholas Singleton moving forward? I'm not concerned yet because I think this was
1: a known issue coming into college. His high school, if you go and watch whatever his high school did, his high school basically ran a 1950s, 1960s like option offense. It was all stuffed, you know. It, it was never between the tackles. It was always, you know, he kind of had that runway to get started. He wasn't really diagnosing, uh, you know, cutback lanes or anything like that at the line of scrimmage. That just was not what he was asked to do. But I still think he has all these athletic tools that he doesn't need to figure those things out as well as some other backs. Those tools give him a lot more leeway than Katron Allen will have. I don't know how much better Katron Allen gets from where he is today. If Nicholas Singleton, if he figures it out, 50% of the way, 60% of the way, seventy percent of the way, he can be a, a really, really dynamic player. But I, I think that expecting him to do the same thing that Travion Henderson did as a freshman or that Bijan Robinson did as a freshman, he just is not as advanced of a rusher at this stage in his career. So no, I'm not worried about it. I think he's still my RB1 in the class. Um... Hey, this situation might end up being really annoying for us over the next couple of years. Is kind of the the thing that I will say. This might be a a you know each guy rushes for a thousand
0: yards, but Singleton could have like sixteen hundred if they would just let him loose. Katron Allen had a long touch or excuse me a long run today, and if had that been Nick Singleton, you I mean it would have been very easily been a touchdown. Uh, Katron Allen just doesn't have the pull away speed, Matthew. No, Nick, Nick Singleton didn't start today and was, you know, not in around the goal line. They really leaned on Catron Allen. Uh, are you concerned with this back? We all have but in the top five of our rankings or so. Are you concerned?
4: Yeah, I, I am not. I'm, I'm kind of with Austin on this. Uh, shout out to Colin Decker, who, who told us this not only was going to happen, but that Catron Allen was probably better than we were giving him credit for I'm not necessarily concerned. I know Austin actually expressed some of this. I don't know if it was stuff that we actually released recording wise, or I know it's stuff we've talked about. Like Austin talked about how Nick Singleton's a little bit more raw than we were kind of giving him credit for. And that we maybe needed to see him develop a little bit more when he came to Penn state. And I think we're kind of seeing that Katron Allen, Is not He knows how to run up the middle. Nick Singleton was running to the outside on everything in high school because he was the best athlete on the field. He wasn't really asked to read holes. He wasn't really asked to hit cutback lanes. Katron Allen was. And so I think we're seeing a little bit of that as Penn State saying, hey, we have a guy that can do that. We'll use Nick Singleton in certain parts of the game, but let's use Katron Allen here because we know he can do it. I still believe in Nick Singleton because of his size, just his raw athleticism, and if he can turn out to be and continue to progress and evolve into the player we believe he can be, then he's going to be the best running back in this class. But he's just not there yet. And and, and in fairness, I don't think Quinshawn is either. He's getting that game while he was really good because he's the guy we've talked about jumping him. Ole Miss was open up like massive holes for him in that game to, to run through against Texas A&M. So I think Nick Singleton will still get there. I think he still deserves to be our number one. But Catron Allen, because of how, I guess, polished he was coming out of high school, he's going to continue to get run there. You uh, give you some credit as well. You said this is going to be a Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams type backfield for the next three years. And I, I with the way Catron Allen's playing, I don't see how that's not going to happen.
0: And, and we should uh, – Austin, I don't know if you pointed this out, but Catron Allen did go to IMG Academy, IMG, so a much yeah. higher level of competition um, than what Nick, Nicholas Singleton experienced there in Pennsylvania uh Barnabas Mike anything to add on on Nick Singleton well yeah I
2: wanted to add on to the IMG point real quick like that's essentially a prep year right you're essentially getting an entire year to assimilate into college offense so like it makes sense that he hits the ground running um Matt on your point I I wonder like is this a scheme thing right like if you know, Penn State kind of runs more of like a, they have a tendency for zone runs, right? And like, that's kind of not Singleton's thing. Singleton, you will kind of want to run just straight power at someone. Um, And granted that Penn State offensive line has not been great this year, but, you know, maybe it's a scheme thing. And, you know, I don't, I don't know the player as a person. I know what I see on tape, but like how committed is he to Penn State? I don't know. So anyway.
0: Yeah, and you do have to learn that footwork and pressing the line of scrimmage and finding a cutback lane in in zone. I think it's the reason why uh, Trey Sermon didn't work in San Francisco. Let's move on. We don't normally look forward to games, but this Tennessee-Georgia game is ginormous here next week. It's a very simple question, Mike, and I'll start with you.
3: Can Tennessee beat Georgia? And I think this one is at Georgia. Uh, no, I'm I'm not really into Tennessee like that. I think this Alabama defense that they torched, right? It's not it's not what it used to be. The team is not as good as it was last year. Kentucky, I, okay, I'm a Kentucky fan, right? I go to Kentucky. I'm I'm a lot harder on my team than most homers are, though. They just they're not they're not good either. I mean, they're not they're not top tier like that. So Kentucky, defense, t- though, Kentucky will not be playing Tennessee or Georgia next week. No, they're not. But going to Georgia though, like that team is still well put together, well coached. That defense is I mean, like I said, this Florida game, right? Like it it was like a twenty two point gap. But you watch that game, like it looked like practice to Georgia. It looked like they were just practicing, fooling around, like, oh, turnover, who cares? Like, I don't really care. You know, and then once fourth quarter came, they're like, All right, it's time to go home. Let's just run the ball and just kill the clock. So I I just don't believe in Tennessee's offense to really do that much damage to that defense that Georgia has. And Georgia's defense is just gonna eat up Hendon Hooker. Georgia all the way. That's that's what I wonder,
0: Austin, is whether or not uh, Tennessee is going to be able to protect Hendon Hooker, and if they're going to let these, you know, the, these go routes and these routes along the sideline develop. If they can't protect Hendon Hooker, then I it's I, I've seen the line an early line Georgia favored by twelve. What are your thoughts about this game next week, Austin?
1: Man, I'm hammering Tennessee if that line is at twelve. Yeah, I think Tennessee can beat Georgia. I don't think Georgia is a Goliath this year. I don't think there's a single Goliath in college football this year. We thought they could be after that week one smackdown of, of Oregon. Like, I actually disagree with what Mike said. I thought Georgia looked human today. I, I it, 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 they, uh, Florida made them bleed at times. You know, they, they are not a god. They They ran the ball effectively for large stretches of that game. Uh, the thing that's that Georgia can do that I think is, is going to be interesting versus Tennessee is that they don't defend the deep pass particularly well, or at least not on a consistent basis. And what does Georgia do? At least based on the last couple of games I've watched, like Stetson Bennett, his two, his two settings are dump it to a running back or chuck it deep. Like he doesn't have any sort of intermediate setting at all. So I, I think he'll want to push the ball against these guys. I think so that that will be the matchup. Can Georgia, effectively push the ball deep because I, I i think they'll protect hendon hooker fine i think they'll move the ball fine like i i just don't think this georgia team is is scary i'm not saying tennessee will win but 12 points right oh huh, that's that's disrespectful it should be four, five, six points maybe
4: yeah, yeah i agree a hundred percent with austin here i mean look we know that Tennessee can be a fast-moving team at time when they need to be. They did a little bit today against Kentucky when they needed to. Who gave Georgia a tough time recently with fast passing? Kent State. You, Mike, you just talked about – or Austin brought up the, the Florida Gators uh, comparison right there, saying that they looked human today. If Hendon Hooker was playing for Florida, do you think they beat Georgia Tech? As I do. What did Anthony Richardson struggle doing when there were wide open wide receivers running across his Georgia secondary? He was overthrowing wide receivers. He was missing players wide open. I watched the game. He had guys running wide open. Richardson just couldn't drop it in there. Hendon Hooker will not have an issue doing that. Like we keep asking, can these guys protect Hendon Hooker? In my opinion, Alabama has a better defensive line than Georgia. Dallas Turner and Will Anderson did nothing to slow down Hendon Hooker in their game. And they had to go shot for shot. I will take Alabama and Bryce Young in that offense, even though he doesn't have any wide receivers over Stetson Bennett in his. Because I think all they have to do is stop. Try not stopping is It's not easy to stop Brock Bowers. I think if they stop Brock Bowers, we'll see Stetson Bennett get into the issues he had with Kent State and the issues he had with Missouri. And the other thing that Tennessee has, I think, is a, is an upgrade over everybody else they've played. What did Missouri do against them when they needed to run the ball all over Georgia? Tennessee's got two good running backs in Jabari Small and Jalen Wright. They have two different ways that they can beat Georgia. And I agree. Like, Georgia has not, Georgia's not the team they were last year. We need to stop thinking that they are. I actually, I would pick right now if I had to, if I had to, I would take Tennessee to beat Georgia. Georgia may end up beating them because they are the home team. And it's hard to go into anybody's house and beat them. And Kirby Smart will get this team up for it because they'll say, hey, look, they're ten, they're t- there's people saying Tennessee's going to beat us, but. Tennessee is a much better team than I think we're giving them credit for. And I do think they could beat Georgia.
0: Barnabas playing here on game next week.
4: Yeah, I
2: think there are very few teams that can defensively line up with this receiving core at Tennessee. You know, we're giving a lot of credit to Hendon hooker, but this receiving core is playing better than we honestly expected them to four months ago. Right. Um, And so I think that Georgia is uniquely equipped in that sense. Um, I think that uh, Tennessee's running game might be a little bit limited based on the fact that because they play so much out of shotgun, they have to establish which direction runs are going to (laughs) go before the snap. And so there's a little bit less flexibility in that sense. And, you know, when you have someone like, you know, Jalen Carter lining up on the other side, you know, anything's possible. But we also forget that uh, Tennessee has some pretty good pass rushers as well. So uh, I don't know who's going to win. I think that Jalen Hyatt probably gets yet another long touchdown out of nowhere. Um, but I, I think that Georgia ekes one out here.
0: All right. If,
1: if They're... Georgia, I, I want to ask you guys real quick. If Georgia loses this game, I don't know that they can make the playoff. What like they just won't. based on what the scenario is for the other team. So it, it, if they don't win this game, Tennessee wins the, that's the, that, that portion of the, the SEC East, assuming that Alabama makes it out of the West. Like, there's not really, and I I guess maybe if Tennessee beats Alabama again, like, I I don't know that Georgia can make this, this, the, the the playoff if they lose this game to, to Tennessee, because there's no playoff game and they won't have the, the big win over Alabama to kind of fall back on.
4: So, for, in my opinion, for Georgia to have to make, to be able to make the playoff if they lose to Tennessee next week, they need TCU and Oregon to come crashing down to earth. Because I think regardless of who, if, if both teams continue playing the trajectory that they're on right now, I think we could see a possibility, depending on how the game goes, if Michigan beats up Ohio State like they did last year, both teams won't get in. But I think there's a realistic argument that we could have two Big Ten teams in this year with the way they've ranked Ohio State and Michigan all year long. So if that's a close game, Regardless of who wins that, I think you could see both of them possibly make it in and Georgia get knocked out if they lose to Tennessee because they will hold against them and almost lost to Missouri. They will hold against them and almost lost to Kent State. Like, it wasn't a, oh, it it was tough. It was close in the first quarter, and then they blew them out. It was a close game throughout the entire game. So I, I think they would need TCU and Oregon to fall off for them to make it in if they lose to Tennessee.
2: I don't know that Oregon's necessarily relevant, but the bigger thing is that, you know, we've seen Alabama backdoor it into the playoff without having to play in the conference championship. But the fact of the matter is, has Georgia faced anyone that we would consider a good team up until uh, Tennessee? Like, that's that's my bigger question. And so if they're going to lose the one test that we actually think is a good test for them, then, you know, that that's the bigger dooming factor, in my opinion.
4: So the only reason I put Oregon in there is because if they run the table and win the Pac-12, I think they would get in because they're the Pac-12 champion. I know they've got the loss to Georgia, but we've seen this committee in the past make these arguments that if you lose in the first couple weeks of the season, we don't hold it against you as much because there's no preseason for college football, especially Dan Lanning, new head coach, new quarterback, new system, new everything. I could see them making excuses for Oregon to put them in over Georgia, even though that Georgia beat them back in week one.
1: It sounds like we're, you know, making up scenarios here, but there is a very realistic scenario where Georgia beats Tennessee and then Georgia loses to Alabama as well. Like that, that is also a very possible scenario here. And you've got that triangle of teams that have all beaten each other once. You, you have to put, you would have to put Alabama in since they're the SEC champion in that scenario. Like, like it, 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 there are a lot of kind of convoluted, um, Different scenarios that I think can play out here at the end of the year, but I think Georgia losing this game would be very, very bad for them. That, that's that's mostly what I wanted. Like I, I think that really, really hurts their chances here.
4: Before we go to left coast, can I just say one thing? Because I, I know we need to go. If we had a twelve team playoff, this wouldn't be an issue, and right? we would be fine, and we'd be we sitting here. Everybody would have and the playoff. Get out of here. <laughs>
2: No, no, but also like the the side the caveat to that also is that like Georgia is only facing this problem because they play in the East, and like I wrote a divisions article a few a uh, couple months ago, and the uh, the SEC East was the only uh the only division in all the Power Five that had a significant difference in record between in division and out of division. So
4: and. I mean, you just said I just completely—we're completely overlooking Clemson here, who has a realistic shot of going undefeated now too, and they'll be in if they go undefeated, regardless of what we think. Hey, regardless I, of I what we think of that it. team, yeah, they'll I be in. If they
1: went out there, so
4: you're in. talking about there's there's two spots already locked up, and whoever wins the Big Ten and Clemson, if they go through, so you're talking about yeah, if Georgia loses, like I don't see how they get in. It, as long as if TCU or Oregon goes and does what they're continuing doing, I think they'll both get in. One of those will get in, and obviously the SEC champion.
0: It'll be interesting to see whether or not uh, Georgia decides to play Tennessee's game, high tempo, pass a lot because I think Alabama did that, and I, I, I just they I wonder. they should have
1: won that game though.
0: So I mean that it,
1: it's a viable
0: strategy. Sure, sure. And Stetson Bennett has been playing a lot, uh, a lot better this season. He's been carrying the team at at points during the season. All right. Uh, thank you panelists we're gonna get you out of here austin barnabas mike matt and i have a couple of things to to clear up here before we close the show these guys we will see you next week thanks matt we got a couple of games that we want to check in here uh on before we close out stanford and ucla zach charbonnet dorian thompson robinson how's that one is that one concluded how's it looking
4: uh, it is not. They just kicked off in the third quarter. And um, if Austin was wondering, he's probably officially beaten me now. As I know he had Zach Charbonnet. Zach Charbonnet's gone over a hundred yards and two touchdowns already. It's at halftime. Dorian Thompson Robinson, 151 yards through the air, has not thrown a touchdown. Jake Bobo, 40 yards on the uh 40 yards through the air. Stanford is not doing anything. That uh supposed first round pick, Tanner McKee that everybody was talking about, five for twelve for 49 yeah. yards so far, uh through uh through two quarters so we can have a whole we can have a whole show listed to
0: all these guys who are going to be first round picks we can talk about tanner mckee we can talk about will levis we can talk about a.t perry if we wanted to Uh, san diego state at fresno state matthew my boy jake hayner is back in but they are down to san diego state 21 10 with the third quarter just starting
4: yeah, it is uh, What? 14 minutes into the third quarter, down 21 to 10, as you just mentioned. Jay Kaner, you know, playing not bad. He's been very efficient in his first game back 12 of 15, 137 yards, one touchdown, no interception. Mims, 21 yards on the ground. That's really all that's going through. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know who Nico Ramingo is, but he is the leading Remigio. receiver right now. Nico okay. Ramizio, the Remigio, transfer. From I Cal. apologize. He is the leading receiver for Fresno right now with 47 yards and one touchdown. On the San Diego side, I mean, nobody's really doing much of anything. it's been mostly the defense, but Keenan Christian does have 70 yards through the air and a touchdown. All right. uh, And then Nevada, San Jose State.
0: San Jose State back on the schedule after uh, taking last week off due to the tragedy there in their locker
4: room. Yeah, yeah. wow i'm sorry i hit the wrong button here it is 20 oh my goodness i messed it up 14 to 7 at halftime for nevada actually and we talked a lot about this with with san jose state obviously losing um, unfortunately a teammate talked about Chris Moxley talked a lot about that this morning. Like, could this kind of unfortunately be a letdown spot for them with, with kind of the emotions running through this locker room and everything with everything going on. It does look like that's going on right now. Cordero 161 yards through the air, one touchdown. Um, Only Lockhart is really the only one doing anything in the receiving game with 79 yards. Shane Illingsworth has been, you know, okay for Nevada 120, I'm sorry, 109 yards through the air on 20 attempts. Uh, Tawa, I always forget how to say his name. Toa Tawa, I Toa it's, Tawa, Toa Tawa, Tawa, Tawa yes. is leading the attack, the attack leading here. in Nevada's history. He is leading the charge here for Nevada. Mm-hmm. Only fifty-seven yards on the ground, but does have both of their touchdowns. And BJ Castile has sixty yards through the air for Nevada.
0: All right, uh, there. We go. You ready to
4: close out the show, Matthew? I don't know. Let's did do we it.
0: decide we were going to play music under this, the, the last
4: segment? I don't right? know. I don't, you I'll probably you said that, that, but we don't have anything good. I can play the same music, but. The same know, that's music. Good. That's fine. Okay. That's fine. There we go. It's already that's playing. That's fine. The people in the slowly, Slowly game. fading in.
0: All right. Uh, Matthew, Maxon starts on Tuesday. It's gonna be wild. I was gonna...
4: Yeah. Okay. I'm a, sorry. I'm a, I'm yes. A, sorry. I will okay. be watching those games. Uh, I'm excited for and coming back. Uh, there's a lot of tweets that came out about that. I believe starting Thursday, we are going practically a month now straight with football on every with football, every single, every, day. Single, every the, single day. Best part about that is, if you're only watching the NFL, that's only three days a week, guys. Mondays, Thursdays, and Sundays. And the rest of that week, the other four is all filled with college football. I cannot wait. Tuesday, Wednesdays. I'm sure Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday games as well. It's going to be fun. It's our favorite time of the year for college football.
0: We're going to need to post a list of the Maxion players that we should be paying attention to because uh, just to, to, to educate um, some of the people paying it tuning in for the first time, Alabama at LSU—that's going to be a good one. But I, Matthew, I really want to pay attention to Clemson at Notre Dame. This is a Clemson team that we think can go undefeated and eventually make the playoff. Let's see. Let's see if Cade Klubnik uh, gets some time in this one.
4: Yeah, this will probably now be their biggest test since NC State unfortunately didn't quite live up to what we had hoped. This defensive line for Notre Dame is going to be very good. We'll see if DJU bounces back. He has had the bye week. We know he's going to be the starter, at least according to going into the bye week from Dabo. I do think if he struggles, we will see them pull him early and throw Kate in there because they are fighting for a playoff spot. This is a massive game for Clemson. I think this is probably the one game left on their schedule until they get to the ACC championship game that they could lose.
0: Uh, Texas is back in action after being on a bye. They take on the Kansas State team that just blew out uh, Oklahoma State. But your boy Quinn Ewers back in action. The last time we saw him, three interceptions. Let's see if we can get it back together against Kansas State.
4: Yeah, and unfortunately what Kansas State was known for doing coming into this game today was running the ball. Will Howard was kind of doing it through the air, which is the weakness of the Texas defense. They're very good stopping the run, but they struggle a little bit against the pass. Don't know necessarily if I want to see Quinn Ewers get into another shootout. Did not work out so well for him last time, but I'm hoping that he's able to bounce back after a bye week. Should be a very fun game and a lot riding on for both teams. Both still have a shot to make it into the Big 12 championship. So a massive game for both these teams. And we
0: talked about this
4: one a little bit already, uh, but Tennessee
0: and Georgia, if Georgia's favored by 12, you taking Tennessee? I'm taking Tennessee. All right. That is the show. Preston Stone is out for the year. That's one note Toledo now atop the Mac West after beating Eastern Michigan. That's going to be it for us. Good night. That's going to be it for us. Good night everybody.